Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a board-certified OBGYN and fertility physician and also co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. Each week on this podcast, I discuss health and fertility and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome back to the As a Woman podcast. Today, I want to talk about canceled cycles. I know this is something that happens and it's hard. And I want to try to change your mind on how you think about this. But before we dive in, I want to talk about this week's fertility in the news. We have heard reports that Elon Musk, as everybody knows, he is the owner of Tesla and he recently has acquired Twitter. Now, employees at Twitter have notoriously had really great fertility benefits. I know so many of you out there do not have fertility benefits, so it may be hard to hear this. However, Elon Musk has cut Twitter employees' fertility benefits, essentially in half, going from a benefit which was quite nice, would cover more than one round of IVF, which so many people need, and would cover adoption and other alternatives, to a benefit that covered not even a full IVF cycle and doesn't cover adoption. This overall is terrible. If you work for a company, you've been there, you see it go through change, that of course is so hard. When suddenly part of this change now results in a huge loss of your benefit, that is also just terrible. But the icing on the cake here, what makes this so exceptionally hard is that Elon Musk, who has many children with different mothers, has used IVF for many, if not all, of his families. So he knows the intricacies that are involved. He knows how expensive it is. We can't sit here and pretend or give him the benefit of the doubt that he just doesn't understand what fertility treatments are like or how much money it takes. And he's looking at this as a cost savings opportunity and not just something that truly personally impacts people. He knows he is just choosing to save money by cutting fertility benefits. It brings up another point, which I talk to people all the time. If you have fertility benefits, you might need to view your reproductive journey through a different lens. You cannot presume that those are always going to be there. And this is a great example of that. If you're thinking, oh, if this doesn't work, then I'll do X, then I'll do Y. I'll do another cycle after this. You can only do what is right in front of your face, the benefits you have at this moment, because at any future moment, you might get a company email that suddenly it is all different. When I first started in the fertility world, we really weren't doing very much genetic testing of embryos. That was still something that was TBD. We were considering it. The consensus wasn't out. We still were doing fresh transfers. 
there was a lot that has changed because I've been in the field for a long time and all of that is really good. One thing that struck me so early on and even my very first job out of practice, I realized really quickly that I viewed this really different than other physicians who'd been out of training longer or who I was practicing with. Because to me, why on earth are we just focusing at pregnancy one? Yes, I totally get it. If you're having infertility, we don't want to be greedy or selfish and we'd be thrilled to have a baby, I understand. But if you are 38 and sitting in front of me and you know, you know in your heart of hearts, you want at least two kids. That's important to you because you had a sibling who was important to you and you want your child to have that same experience. Then why are we not thinking about that right now? And I find so often doctors don't bring this up to their patients because is it hard to get a normal embryo at 38? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on your ovarian reserve. Is it going to be hard to get an embryo at 40, 41, 42? Yes, almost no matter what. So if I just get one embryo now and we do a transfer and you get pregnant and then you got to pop back in my office in a couple years and we're starting from scratch, it is going to be harder. It will take you more cycles and more money. And that's, that's a fact. It doesn't mean it'll be impossible, but it will definitely be harder. So I really started an early stage, what we see a lot of more modern practicing physicians doing now saying, Hey, you're 38. You want to have more than one child. We need to do some cycles and bank up some normal embryos so that you can have enough for your baby now and your baby in the future. That just makes sense. And that really needs to be something you're thinking about. If you have the financial ability to do so, if you have fertility benefit coverage, because it could change, or if you are older, or if you are younger and you have low ovarian reserve. So these different things that impact our future family building, I really encourage you to think about what is your goal now and what is your goal in the future. Obviously, if we have to choose, we'll put the goal now. That's going to be number one. But there is no reason why we shouldn't be willing to try to give you your perfect world. So if you can write the story to your life, if you can control what happens, what does that look like? We should 100% be trying to achieve that for you, for sure. Let's at least try. Let's at least talk about it. Let's at least understand what it would take. Personally, I think Elon Musk cutting the fertility benefits of Twitter employees is absolutely terrible beyond terrible. I have always thought it was great that we are seeing more and more companies get on board in providing fertility opportunities for their employees. So this really hurts. If you're an employee of Twitter, I am so sorry for you. If you are not, you're just jealous that they have any benefits. I get that too. The underlying current here is really, we need to be advocating for reproductive rights and access to fertility care for all. That is part of what Doctors for Fertility is trying to do, as is Resolve and ASRM and some of your other fertility organizations. So please know, we know that's an issue. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting 
high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No my shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. All right. Well, dealing with the episode here at hand is going to be the canceled cycle. I know because y'all, I have friends and I have patients who we're friends with who are in the fertility Facebook groups, right? I know those Facebook groups exist. I think they're overall awesome. It's great to hear somebody else's perspective. And it's so nice to know that you're not alone and hear what somebody else has gone through or get advice or hear about clinics. But I have heard it negatively said about our clinic that we cancel people a lot. Oh my gosh, the docs at Fora, they just cancel people all the time. And it's said like it's a negative thing. And this to me just blows my mind because I honestly would much rather go to a practice that would cancel my cycle versus take my money and put me through a cycle that is not going to result either in the outcome I want or it's not as good as it could be. And they know that and they never talk to me about it and they just push me through. Canceling the cycle hurts the clinic. So it hurts the clinic much more than it hurts you, if we're being honest, or at least as much. So let's talk about this. First of all, did you know that fertility clinics have to report to SART, the Society for Assisted Reproductive Technology? And SART communicates with the CDC. So every clinic should be reporting their success rates. Now, there are a thousand issues with how SART collects data. And to my point earlier about embryo banking, the SART database and the success rates do not reflect that type of modern practice. So I'm not saying that I love how they report data, but it is a big old red flag warning sign if your clinic doesn't even report to SART. So if they decline that, they are saying, we don't want to have an overseen body, nobody's seeing our data. And that's a little suspect because SART does have some guidelines and some regulations and things that are best practices for an IVF lab. But when you report to SART, 
you get dinged for your canceled cycles. Essentially, one, they report their rate, but two, those cycles count as not pregnant. So hear me out. If I start you and I cancel you, my outcome for that cycle is not pregnant, even though you got canceled. You had a 0% chance of being pregnant because I canceled you. But SART is going to count that as a not pregnant cycle, and this drives your rates down. Honestly, this is kind of crazy if you think about it. One, this is why a lot of clinics will not let you cycle if you have a certain AMH or you're of a certain age. So if your AMH is low, even if you're young, you have a higher chance of cancellation if your AMH is low, and that's why some clinics have cutoffs. They don't want you to be canceled. You have a higher rate of cancellation, drives their rates down. It also is why some clinics do these last-minute starts on patients, and then it feels like this mad dash fury, like you have no idea what's going on. You don't have a calendar. You don't have medications. Nobody's taught you anything. But it's because of when you have to initiate the cycle is within just a few days of starting your medications. So some people make you come in, make sure everything looks good, and then it's a very mad dash to get the cycle going. So this actually does impact clinical practice quite significantly in some ways. We, myself and my partner, and there are other clinics too, have said making clinical decisions based on success rate reporting system or fear of a canceled cycle is not in the best interest of the patient. Therefore, I'm not going to let that dictate what I do. So it's going to drive my rates down if I cancel you. But do you know what? If you have an antral follicle count of 12 and you have an AMH of one and we're doing an IVF cycle and I see that only four eggs are likely to get to mature, many people in my town would just keep on pushing and take you to retrieval. You will then spend more money for a lower outcome than you could have had, but they don't want to deal with talking to you about the canceled cycle or rescheduling you or hurting their success rates. So they just go. And I know this firsthand for many reasons, but also I see patients. I see them coming in with their records. Nobody ever told them they only had four eggs growing and then they're shocked and devastated that they got no normal embryos. And I'm on the other end saying, the odds are you're not going to get embryos with that. Four eggs is probably not enough at your age. It also, with your AMH and your antral follicle count, you should have had more. This doesn't look like this was a good month for you. You should have been canceled and given another shot. So most people, when you redirect it, would honestly rather have a canceled cycle or at least the discussion. And we do this. Hi, this is less than I thought it would be. And maybe sometimes it is very clear. This is too low. You can do better. We're canceling it. Maybe it's a discussion. This is lower than you could do, but it's not terrible. What do we think is the best? Do you want to proceed? Once you proceed to the egg retrieval, a substantial portion of your cost comes at that moment. So if we think about IVF, you have the cost of the medications, the cost of coordinating the cycle, the ultrasound appointments, the blood draws, the cost of the anesthesia, the egg retrieval, the fertilization, the embryo culture, the genetic testing, the embryo freezing, all the fancy lab stuff. And that lab stuff is the big bulk. So if you're not living up to your potential, I'd rather cancel you out early, save you the lab cost, get a new protocol that may work better for you and eat the success results on my end because it's not about me, it's about you. Yes, you might have to purchase more medication, But that cost-benefit ratio is erring towards your benefit if you can get more eggs and have a better cycle. So if somebody's canceling you, I personally don't think that's a bad thing. I think they're actually looking out for you. 
Of course, you want to understand why. Why are we getting canceled? Okay, you think I can do better. What are we going to do about it? Are we changing the protocol? What do those changes look like? What does the timeline look like? All right, you want to have your expectations clearly set. And somebody in front of you might say, I say this every time. So if you're one of my patients, you're going to hear me say this. I'm not going to make a decision in this moment what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait and look through your whole chart, look with fresh eyes, get a game plan for your next protocol. We'll be in touch. And I think that's fair. And if I was a patient, I would want my doctor doing that. So even though having IVF cycles canceled can be really frustrating, it's because we think you can do better and we want that for you. We want you to have the highest return on this investment. There's a lot of pressure on IVF cycles because they cost so much money. Or even if you have a fertility benefit, almost every patient I've ever seen has a limited benefit, meaning they don't have benefits in perpetuity. There's an end point or a dollar max. And I want to be really smart about how many cycles or how I use that benefit to try to achieve both your short-term and your long-term goal. Now, when it comes to an embryo transfer, also can be canceled, maybe even more so. And the same thing, these embryos are so precious. You worked so dang hard to get them. And I would want my doctor to really feel like it was the absolute best environment to put that embryo in. So if my lining looked better in a prior cycle than it does right now, do you really want to put the embryo in? If my lining doesn't look as organized as it could, if it's not as thick as it could be, if there's signs that something could be up, if my estrogen is low, if my thyroid is off, do you really want somebody to force that cycle through? Places do it, right? If I am being very honest, let's just think about this. I could finish out any cycle I started. I could have a 0% cancellation rate. That would make my success rates better. That would make the people in the Facebook group stop talking. That means more people would fail cycles and they would need more treatment and I would make more money. And if I was in this job to make the money, that might be an approach for me. I mean, you started the cycle. We'll see what happens. Let's get the eggs or transfer the embryo. And if it doesn't work, oh, well, you'll need to do more cycles. Win-win for everybody. That's not a win-win for me. That to me is absolutely terrible. If I think you can do better, I want this to be the absolute best that you can do. And if it is not, we should not do the cycle. For a fact, that is how we practice at Fora. That does give us high cancellation rates. And do you know what? I do not care. I mean, I don't like to be talked smack about on the Facebook group, but in the end, we're doing it for you. Okay, so let's talk about an embryo transfer. We think we should cancel this because your lining doesn't look as good as we hoped it would. All right, what does that mean? Is it just a bad month? That certainly happens. Should you just bleed and try to grow the lining again? Are you going to switch protocols? Is the lining thin? Is this a controlled cycle with estrogen, pills, patches? And do we think maybe doing a natural or a modified natural where you ovulate and you make natural estrogen, that that might get a different result for your lining? And then could we have missed something? Was there a diagnostic test or screening test done to look at the inside of the uterus? Did you have a saline sonogram or an HSG? Sometimes those aren't perfect tests. So could there be scar tissue or a uterine septum or a polyp or something that's causing the lining to not look regular? Do you need a hysteroscopy or surgery to go put a camera inside the uterus and take a look around? These are things that my brain is thinking. It is completely normal when you have a canceled cycle to put a lot of self-blame on. So here I am. It's not your fault. 
These things happen, or they should happen, all the time. The human body is fascinating. Human reproduction is not perfect. And if we're trying to get the best scenario, the best environment possible, it's not always going to happen every time. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited the summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan. It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code A-A-W at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. All right, but let's refocus. Let's try to think about what you can do and how I want you to reframe this scenario. Absolutely. If you have a cycle canceled, you're going to be disappointed. I, I would be, I get it. This is going to probably cost more money, set back your timeline, and you were ready. You were ready like yesterday. You were ready a year ago. So it is absolutely disappointing. Let yourself be in those feelings. Now, I don't want you to get lost in it. Is my team doing the right thing? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting canceled. What are they doing? Instead, I want you to say, thank goodness I have a team who would rather cancel my cycle because they think I can do better. Isn't that reassuring? They think I can do better. They want the best for me. That makes me feel good and feel cared for. That's step one. Step number two, I want you to understand what the plan is. So I am well aware that every clinic functions different. Sometimes you have a million consults with your doctor. Sometimes it's all through your nurse or your coordinator. Sometimes there's a portal or email. Everything is different. Hopefully by now, you know how your team communicates. But if you've been canceled, you want to know what next. You want to know what comes next. What does my timeline look like? Am I just waiting until my next period comes? Am I inducing a period and I'm forcing ovulation? How soon can I get started? What does that look like? You deserve to understand that timeline and maybe they can't give it to you fully. Maybe it's when your period starts, let us know. That's fine. That's something though. You need to know what is my next step. You also want to know a little bit about why, and I don't want to go into nitty gritty, but like what is the game plan? A new protocol? Just a new month? Are we doing another test? Are we doing a surgery? Are we trying a different protocol? What is going to be different so that this doesn't happen again, if there's anything we can do? And they probably have an answer, and it's really easy. We're not going to use birth control pills this time. We're going to start in the luteal phase. We're going to try a different protocol. We're going to do this other test first. But ask the question. You may not get the answer unless you ask. Next, I want you to take control of all the factors that you can, right? So much of this has absolutely nothing to do with anything you do, meaning 
most cycle cancellations, you did nothing wrong. You couldn't have changed the outcome, period, the end. So the following things are not to make you feel self-blame because you didn't do them, but it's to say, I understand that these things happen. In my attempt to control something that is uncontrollable, I am going to control these other variables. And those are the lifestyle habits that we know make your body a less inflammatory environment because as a big generalized statement, inflammation is bad for the body. Inflammation makes it harder to get pregnant. Inflammation underlies chronic disease, autoimmune disease, a lot of our medical issues. So how do we lower inflammation? Number one, you're going to get some sleep. I know that sounds silly and maybe, oh yeah, I've heard this a hundred times, but I can't stress how important it is. When you get sleep, that is when your cells are healing themselves. Those are the moments you have cellular repair. So when you're not getting sleep, your body is going to be both more stressed and more toxic. You need at least seven and a half to eight hours of sleep every night. And ideally they are consistently the same hours. So go to bed at 10 and get up at six, but do something consistently, even on your days off or the weekend so that your body can rely on those hours and depend on them. I like a good sleep hygiene routine, put your cell phone away, get a sound machine, have a wind down routine, wash your face, take melatonin, get in bed, put on a sleep mask, listen to a meditation, whatever it is that works for you. Try to get into some good habit that is not scrolling Instagram or TikTok, watching a show. Those things are not going to put you in the right mindset for sleep. Get up at the same time every day, drink water, drink a cup of water when you wake up before your coffee. And if that comes from me, your coffee loving best friend, then you know I mean it. And go and move your body. Don't worry about this idea that exercise is for weight loss and you have to just kill yourself or it's not worth doing. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, do yoga, go for a walk, do some push-ups, do a core class, do some weights. I don't care, but find something that can motivate you, get it done, check it off in the morning. You actually set yourself up really good to decrease your chance of insulin resistance and improve your metabolism if you're exercising in the morning. Then I want you to take a few minutes, get that cup of coffee, sit down with your planner, your to-do list, your journal, take five minutes. Just don't go check your phone yet. De-stress from the day, outline all the things you can do. I want you to drink water through the day. I want you to avoid toxins. I want you to stop drinking or limit your alcohol. Stop smoking marijuana. Stop smoking cigarettes. I want you to look at the food that is in your world. Can you meal prep and plan so that you have good, healthy options available to you and you are not leaning on those bad, sugary, processed food options? Your diet should consist of whole foods, fruits, veggies, whole grains, things that are real, legumes and nuts. Give yourself those nutrients. Take a prenatal vitamin. See if there's any other supplements you might should take based on your medical condition or your cause of infertility. Ask your doctor that. But overall, if we live under the principles of getting good sleep, trying to decrease our stress, moving our body, treating food as a nourishment, and trying to limit the toxins in our world, both from toxic exposures, but also in beauty products and things that are in the kitchen, you're doing what you can. And if you integrate those principles into a healthy life, you're going to feel better, look better, and your outcomes are probably going to be better too. But I don't want you to stress over this. This should be something that you slowly learn to integrate. And if you have a canceled cycle and you're not doing some of those, 
I find that this is a really nice time to come in and take control over what you can. Ultimately, I promise you, we all want you to have the highest chance of success. Truly, that is what we are after. That is what we want for you. And if your cycle is canceled, you are allowed to be disappointed. Please don't take it out on your entire team. I'll tell you what, you know the one person who hates it the absolute most when your cycle's canceled? Besides you, it's going to be your team, your cycle coordinator, your fertility nurse. They're now redoing a calendar. They're ordering new medications. They might be teaching you something new. The financial team might have to collect more money depending on what stage of the process you got to or how many times you've been canceled or what your insurance plan is. Nobody wants you to be canceled. But if your team is canceling a cycle, it most likely is because they really think it's in your best interest. And for that, I would be grateful. Even if I'm disappointed, I would be grateful. View it as an opportunity to still have the highest chance of success and try not to view it as the end of a journey, but really a pivoting point where we can still achieve all of those goals that you want to. I'm now going to answer questions. Every week we do For Fertility Sake or FFS. This is our weekly Q&A from questions that you submit. You can submit these questions on Instagram or through the As A Woman voicemail. Every Monday on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD, you can submit questions into the question box. In the question box, we will then answer some on Instagram and we will save some to answer here or on our weekly newsletter. You can check out NatalieCrawfordMD.com to view the website and also sign up for the weekly newsletter, which will include questions to be answered, fertility in the news, my favorite recipes and products, and just overall things I want to share with you. You can also call and leave a message on the voicemail, 657-229-3672. Again, that is 657-229-3672. The voicemail questions will be put into their own episodes, and you have a high chance of getting yours answered if you call and leave one on there. All right, question one, are biotin and prenatal supplements healthy? I have thin hair and need biotin. Hey, this is really a good question. Everybody should be taking a prenatal if you're trying to get pregnant, so that's a good one. Most prenatals have some biotin in them, and that is absolutely fine. I do not want you taking biotin if you're undergoing fertility treatments. And this is a board question type style knowledge. There's no way for you to know this, but biotin actually binds to sex hormones, and to the assay that we use to detect them. So classic case is you're taking biotin, you're going through an IVF cycle, and none of your labs make sense. None of your labs make sense, and that's because they're not accurate because of the biotin. So if you're trying on your own, that's totally fine. Take the biotin. But if you are needing fertility help, you're going to get a fertility evaluation, you're undergoing treatment, you need to stop any additional biotin because we don't want to have results that we cannot rely on. The next question says, can IUI still work with male factor if it's not severe? IUI can work for male factor and for mild male factor, it may be indicated. I love IUI the most for motility issues, because if we think about what IUI does is it takes a sperm sample, it concentrates it, you lose some of the sperm in that sample, and then you put it into the uterus. So if you don't have very much sperm, you're still not going to have very much sperm. If the sperm is abnormally shaped, it is still going to be abnormally shaped. But if the sperm doesn't move as well as we'd like, I can help that. I can take the sperm and I can move it, get it further down the field and help it out. So for mild male factors, IUI can be an option. My favorite of those is a motility issue. You might try it with some of the other parameters, but I think that is a conglomerate picture of how old you are, your AMH, how many kids you want, how severe the male factor is, and an overall discussion with your doctor. 
Next is what do you consider a high AMH? Well, it does depend on the assay, but pretty much for most people, anything over four and a half or five, no matter your age, is going to be high. There is thought, and it makes sense, that a high AMH is correlated with PCOS because part of the disease process in PCOS is having a lot of follicles. And of course, these follicles make estrogen and that confuses the brain signaling. So the higher the AMH, the more likely it is that you have PCOS. It also means you're more likely to not respond to oral medication for ovulation induction or be at risk for ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome with IVF. So I've seen patients, the highest AMH I've seen is in the 20s. So we definitely see some very high AMH values. Can you please explain how TSH can fluctuate? Remember that TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. This is a hormone that comes from the pituitary gland to stimulate the thyroid gland to make thyroid hormone. Because it is an interpretive value, it is the brain's interpretation of your circulating thyroid hormone. It's going to be different based on how much thyroid hormone is circulating around. There are things that do influence it, such as estrogen or oral contraceptives, and your need for thyroid hormone increases in these circumstances. So if your need for thyroid hormone increases, that means your brain will say, oh my gosh, we don't have enough thyroid hormone, and it will send out a higher TSH to try to stimulate the thyroid gland to make more thyroid hormone. Remember that if you're trying to conceive or pregnant, we prefer your TSH to be less than 2.5, although officially anything between 0.5 and 4 is still the normal range. We really want you in that lower end of normal because of that increased need in early pregnancy and because the fetus completely depends on maternal thyroid hormone for the first trimester. All right, I have cysts found on my follicles after Clomid. Are there any recs to help it go away before the next IUI cycle? Clomid does have some side effects. Hot flashes are one of them, and persistent ovarian cysts can be one. So can a thin lining or mood changes. However, the cysts after Clomid can really be quite a bother. Often we don't want you to get started on another cycle if these cysts are still large because they may be hormonally sensitive and we want to heal them up or we don't want to put you at risk for ovarian torsion. You can either wait a cycle, but honestly, my preference is a short course of birth control pills. They really cut off any hormone supply to the cysts and really help them heal up the fastest. So I know you don't want to be on birth control if you're trying to get pregnant, but in the context of fertility treatments, it can be an effective way to help a cyst heal up and short-term use of birth control is not going to negatively impact your cycle. I swear, I promise, otherwise we would not do it. What are your thoughts on breastfeeding during a frozen embryo transfer? I don't like it. In fact, I ask my patients to stop breastfeeding. A couple of reasons why. Your embryos are frozen. We should be under no rush to try to transfer them. Number two, when you're breastfeeding, you tend to have a thinner endometrial lining and you tend to have dysfunctional ovaries and not respond to medications to grow the lining the same. I've had more canceled cycles or failed cycles on patients who are breastfeeding during their frozen transfer that again, under the context of wanting the absolute best outcome for each future embryo, I want my patients to wait. Different fertility doctors may feel differently. Absolutely, can people get pregnant when they're breastfeeding? Yes, it can happen. But are you more likely to not get pregnant when you're breastfeeding? Yes. Is there any safe level of caffeine during the two-week wait? Yes, there is. So studies have looked at this and we just recommend the same caffeine regulation or 
recommendation as we do have in pregnancy, which is 250 milligrams of caffeine a day. Typically that equals to less than two cups of coffee, but really does depend on the types of coffee. Like if you get Starbucks, a shot of espresso is going to be 75 milligrams and a brewed cup of coffee might mean that you can only have one cup of coffee. But if we're talking not a huge Yeti mug, but a typical cup of coffee, you can typically have two of those. How do I know if I'm not getting my period because of stress or because of another medical issue? You're going to have to see a doctor for this one. There is a very specific workup if you have amenorrhea or you're not having a period. We're going to check to see, are you out of eggs? How is your thyroid? How is your prolactin? We're then going to check to see if there's any obstruction or medical blockage. Could you have Asherman's or something of that nature? We're going to see if there's any other medical conditions that could be stressing your body out. And a diagnosis of stress or functional hypothalamic amenorrhea is a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning we have to rule out the other things before we can say it's that. So if you ever just do not have periods, go to the doctor and somebody says it's just stress and they don't draw any blood on you, nope, you need another opinion. That is not good enough. All right, and the last question is, can you transfer embryos from one clinic to another? The short answer is yes. I moved clinics here in town and I had hundreds of people move their embryos with me. The more complicated answer is it does depend on the lab of which you had your embryos created and the lab of which you want to move them to. Some labs use freezing techniques that other labs will feel are not adequate and then they don't have the capability or desire to thaw them. And so if you have that scenario, you might not know about it. So typically what we do is if you've created embryos elsewhere, we'll have to make sure the lab feels comfortable accepting them before we will transfer them in. So the overall answer is yes, you can do this, but the truth is it's slightly more complicated and there is a chance that you might have a clinic not accept your embryos. It just depends on the lab where you had them created. And I find that this is more common as a generalized statement at places that might offer discount IVF based on some of the technology they're using and freezing. All right. Well, I hope these answered some of your questions. Again, we answer questions on Instagram every Monday at Natalie Crawford MD, and you can always call the voicemail 657-229-3672. Thanks friends. Thank you all for listening to As a Woman. It would mean so much if you could rate, review, and follow the podcast to be notified of new episodes every Sunday. I hope you learned something new, and I hope you share it with someone in your life. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD, and check out the YouTube channel Natalie Crawford MD. If you're interested in becoming a patient, you can also follow Fora Fertility. I'm so thrilled to have you here, part of the community that amplifies others as a woman.